I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Welcome to Talk Radio's Drive Time. I'm Dan Wooten and we're covering the continuing coronavirus pandemic. Dan's Dispatch on Talk Radio. Last night, just outside Number 10 Downing Street, anti-racism protests were turning violent for the third time in a week. Blood was pouring from the head of an unarmed police officer. Bottles and other sharp objects were being pelted at cops. Thugs were attempting to burn our flag on the cenotaph. And the statue of our greatest ever Prime Minister, Winston Churchill, had been desecrated. If pro-Brexit campaigners had been responsible for such behaviour, it would have been headline news. This newsworthy event, developed in the hours before the BBC's 10pm bulletin, went live. But such unacceptable and shocking violence taking place at the heart of Westminster was yet again virtually ignored by the corporation. Just like on Saturday night, when police horses had been attacked by this mob, resulting in serious injuries to a WPC, but bead reporters either ignored or completely downplayed this violence. Their online headline was this, 27 police officers injured during largely peaceful anti-racism protests in London. Can someone please remind me the last time 27 cops were injured during a protest anyone with a right mind could describe as peaceful? Also brushed over, of course, was the complete lack of social distancing by the tens of thousands of protesters, despite the Home Secretary Priti Patel warning they shouldn't go ahead, given we're in the middle of a pandemic. The killing of George Floyd was despicable and has set off an important conversation about race relations in the US and around the world. I was heartbroken by what was an obvious crime, which is the latest in a long line of outrageous incidents of police brutality stateside. It's right to show support, and I believe in the aims of Black Lives Matter. That said, violence, looting or rioting of any form can never be accepted. There is no excuse. We've all had to accept that our civil liberties have been curbed as part of the fight against coronavirus. I don't like it one bit, as you know, but I've gone along with it, for the most part, in order to help stop the spread of this terrible disease. That's why London Mayor Sadiq Khan showed himself to be an irresponsible hypocrite yesterday. He was supporting and encouraging the protests to go ahead on Saturday night. Then on Sunday at 9.05am, he had the temerity to tweet, lockdown has not been lifted. The virus is still out there. I know it's tough, but please keep following the rules. What a jaw-dropping joke. As ever, media hypocrisy is out of control 
and at the heart of this issue. After two weeks of wall-to-wall outrage over the PM's assistant Dominic Cummings apparently breaking the spirit of lockdown rules, not the law, of course, just the spirit of the rules, out of concern for the welfare of his four-year-old son, this fragrant breach in the form of a mass gathering the size of an outdoor concert two days in a row was seemingly accepted by liberal journalists as okay. Remember, too, the extreme organisation Antifa, which is believed to be behind some of the violence, wants to overthrow the police force. They're dangerous anarchists and should not be confused with the vast majority of peaceful activists. There is no excuse for the BBC ignoring the violent part of this movement. Of course, the genuine peaceful protests deserved the coverage they got. But the fury over the cover-up by our taxpayer-funded public broadcaster is very real. So no wonder a new campaign to defund the BBC has gained such momentum over the past 48 hours. Talk Radio. Across the UK, on DAB Digital Radio and online. Drive Time with Dan Wooden on Talk Radio. It's 4.15. Our question of the day, should the police have done more to control this weekend's violent protests? At the moment, an overwhelming reaction. 92% of you say yes, just 8% of you say no. Let me bring in the Labour MP, Dawn Butler. Dawn, I presume you disagree. Well, I think the police officers made an informed judgment with their experience on what they should do and how they should do it. And there's many a times where you said we should trust what the police think. And I think that the police uh, in the main made the right decisions. There was not lots of violence on our streets. There was protests all over the country. And the predominantly and in the main, those protests were peaceful. But those protests were powerful. Do not lose sight as to why people have taken to the street. On the 25th of May, we all watched and saw the lynching of a black man by a white man, and now everybody has taken to the streets, no matter their colour, their class, their creed, to say, we don't want this. Absolutely. And Dawn, I just said the killing of George Floyd was despicable and has set off an important conversation about race relations around the world. But I'm sorry, Dawn, I cannot accept the violence against police officers, some of them bleeding, that I saw last night in a civil society. Do you disagree? Do you say there is some type of acceptable reason for this violence? No, I'm not condoning any form of violence. That's the reason why people are taken to the streets. But we can agree on that. So why don't we talk about everything else? Why don't we talk about the fact that it is 10 times more likely for a black man to be stopped and searched on the street than it is for anyone else? Why Disgraceful. Don't we talk about Disgraceful, Dawn. And I've been talking about it on this show all... ...to be arrested or five times more likely to have force used against them or they are twice as likely to die in police custody. Why don't we now move the conversation on to that, to the things that matter if we are going to dismantle 
the structural inequality and racism that exists in our society. Dawn, I agree with all of that and we have been discussing it on the show for the past week and you know that I've been desperate to have you come on to talk about it for the past week. But I do have to ask you about what happened yesterday because it is important, it is part of the discussion. Do you agree with the Colston uh, statue being pulled down in the way that it was yesterday in Bristol? Okay, so let's let us look at the context of this. People in Bristol for years have been campaigning to have that statue removed. Yeah. They've written letters. They've had petitions. Everybody has written and said, please can we remove this statue? Let's have the statue in a museum so that it can be there in context with the history yes. of Edward Colston. And it didn't happen, and it's never happened. And so the people took the law into their own hands. And is that, I mean, is that okay? Is, is that something that we should be condoning? Well, you, you first would have to ask yourself, why was the statue still there? Is it okay that you were condoning that a statue is there with a man that enslaved between... Well, I'm not condoning that. I'm simply asking the question. people, that a man that killed 30,000 people. When you know that, when you're informed, it's okay if you're not informed, right? But when you're informed and you know that this is a statue of a murderer, of a rapist, of a slave owner, that enslaved between 80,000 and 100,000 innocent people that killed 30,000 people. You say to yourself, why on earth was that statue still there? Well, there's a lot of That's roads in Bristol that then yourself, need to be renamed. The there's a lot there? of venues that need to be renamed. I mean, his name is all over Bristol, Dawn. This statue is just the start. It is. And they've been campaigning, the people in Bristol. I mean, Bristol is a very, uh, it's full of activists. You know, I met, Paul Stevenson in Bristol, you know, who who led the Bristol bus boycott in 1963. It's full of it's full of activism and it's full of campaigners. Remember, without activists, without campaigners, nothing ever changes. If you just sit inside your home and say, oh, oh, look at that. Nothing will ever change. And they've changed something in Bristol today. They've got people to understand the brutality of Edward Colston. Mm. And that's what we should be talking about. Radio. Drive time with Dan Wooden. On Talk Radio. But first, the Mayor of Bristol, Marvin Rees, has said he will not condemn the tearing down of the statue of slave trader Edward Colston by protesters in the city yesterday. Was this the correct move by protesters who were sick of all of the bureaucracy in the city while they were trying to get the statue taken down for many years? Or was it a criminal act? To debate this now, I'm joined by Daniel Hannan. He is the writer, journalist and British Conservative politician. And Nadine Batchelor-Hunt, a journalist and former president of the Cambridge University Student Union's Black and Minority Ethnic Campaign. Nadine Kerstama, the Labour Party leader, says there, look, this wasn't democratic. There are a process for these types of things. Um, so if I can, I just I found something that's quite poignant I want to read, and it's by Martin Luther King, and I think it kind of covers this quite well. Is Go that on. okay? So he says, First, I must confess that over the last few years, I've been gravely disappointed with the white moderate. I've come to the restful conclusion that the Negro's great stumbling block in the stride towards freedom is not the white citizens' council or the Ku Klux Klaner, but the white moderate, who is more devoted to order than to justice, 
to prefer the negative piece with the absence of tension to a positive piece, which is the presence of justice. Who constantly says, I agree with the goal you seek, but I cannot agree with your methods of direct action. Who paternalistically feels he can set the timetable for another man's freedom. Who lives by the myth of time. And who constantly advises the Negro to wait until a more convenient season. And I feel like that quote by Martin Luther King kind of hits the nail on the head. The protesters in Bristol had been trying to get this statue removed democratically for years and years and years. It wasn't taken down. Now you either have a situation where it's not going to get democratically taken down and you just expect black people to see a statue of a man that murdered their ancestors and enslaved their ancestors, or you rip it down. I personally think power to the protesters. So Daniel Hanan, maybe you're just a white moderate saying this should all go through a democratic process. Well, I agree with Keir Starmer. There are ways of doing this. And the problem with that argument is what if somebody objects to a different statue, right? What if, would we apply the same argument if another mob, without necessarily representing anyone except themselves, took exception to the statue of Peel or Millicent Fawcett or Gandhi? Would everyone say, oh, well, that's fine, because they obviously felt very strongly about it. The reason we have democracy is so that we don't have to try and infer the mood of the street from the people who are shouting the loudest or behaving the most violently. And uh, this is not, you know, uh, there are definitely situations where it is correct to take down a statue, right? Remember all the the Saddam Husseins that were torn down at the end of his dictatorship or all the little Lenins that were uprooted in in Russia. I'm I'm not arguing at all that we should keep every statue because it's there. And I, I think this is probably a fairly good example of one where... Uh, mores have changed, the attitudes have changed, and the slavery outweighs the philanthropy. But there is a process in a democracy to do these things. And you can't just say, I feel strongly about this, so I'm allowed to behave violently. When you, Nadine, say, the slavery out- when you say the slavery outweighs the philanthropy, the philanthropy mm. came from the slavery. You do recognise that, that the money that he gave a lot of it did. State. A well, lot yeah. of it. Yeah. I mean, he and, traded and in wine, he here. traded in... He was... He, he, I don't, I, I, look, I mean, it's a sort of side, I'm not sure he was directly, um, uh, he, you know, he, he got his money from shares in the Royal African Company, is my understanding, rather than that he okay, was well, directly a slave Somebody trader. who's descended from slavery, I don't care if it was from shares or I don't care if he put his hands on slaves. Hmm. Fundamentally, he was trading human beings, my ancestors, for money. And then Nadine, do you in, think... our, in our colonial history, we talk about him being a philanthropist, a philanthropist from the funds of enslaving my ancestors. I'm sorry, if that doesn't get you as angry as a statue being pulled down, then you need to question why that is. Well, Nadine, I, I, I've seen your, your, your tweets about this, and I, I just wanted to ask you, do you think it's always correct to judge historical figures by the standard of today? And do you not feel that there's a risk that we're going to lose so much of our history if we do that? Of course no one believes, well, I certainly don't, that slavery in any way should be celebrated. And in fact, this statue probably shouldn't be standing But do you not accept that actually it should be in a museum where it's properly contextualised, perhaps as part of an exhibition about the history of slavery and the way that it funded much of Bristol, rather than down the bottom of a harbour? Yes, but the situation we're talking about here, that wasn't an option. The council weren't removing the statue. Not yet, but that's democracy, isn't it? Sometimes it takes a bit of time. But again, I remind you of the uh, Martin Luther King quote. 
I agree with you in the goal you seek, but I cannot agree with your methods of direct action. We're talking about the white moderate who paternalistically feels he can set the timetable for another man's freedom, who lives by the myth of time, and who constantly advises the Negro to wait for a more convenient season. This statue was not being taken down, right? It had to be taken down. I don't think anyone disagrees that there shouldn't be a statue celebrating the slaver in 2020. I agree. I think it's a great moment now to put that statue in a museum with a plaque saying, Black Lives Matter for activists pulled this statue down in in a protest saying Black Lives Matter. And now it it was fished out of the river and it was put in a museum. That will do more to educate people on the history of colonialism in this country than leaving a statue up with a plaque that didn't even describe the heinous things he does. And the fact that people still refer to him as this, this philanthropist, as a, as a redeeming quality, when that money was, was gained, much of which was gained from enslaving my ancestors, I cannot explain to you how offensive that is. And if we were talking about a statue of a rapist, a man that was known for a, a serial rape, would we be talking about this stuff? Well, well, well maybe not. But Daniel Hannan is the issue. Not that, for example, the the left wing campaigner Owen Jones has now tweeted a picture of Robert Clive's statue of Whitehall and referred to the fact that he was uh, described as an unstable sociopath who conquered much of India. He goes on to say he committed mass atrocities and his policies led to a famine which reduced Bengal's population by a third. So is that now not a campaigner inciting for another statue to be pulled down by a bane? Well, or, or indeed, there are plenty of people circulating pictures of Margaret Thatcher's statue and so on. I mean, this is the problem with allowing people to take the law into their own hands. And I have to say there is a real difference between 1960s United States, southern segregated states, and a modern, pluralist, open society like Britain's. The idea that people have no other voice, that they have no vote, that they can't express themselves through any other means in this country is just ridiculous. There is a, a, there's a, a proper, you know, it happens to be a Labour council and a Labour mayor in Bristol. There is a procedure that they were actually going through uh, about whether, you know, whether they should move or context, uh, contextualise the, the standing of the, the statue. You can't just say, well, I happen to feel strongly about this because... Your neighbour may feel strongly about something else which is very different from your own views, and he could apply exactly the same argument. And that's why you need to have laws. And by the way, it is very striking that, you know, we've had 10 weeks of people being told you can't even leave your house, you know, you, you can't uh, go to, to family funerals, you can't go to weddings, you know, this is so important. And then overnight, it's suddenly okay because you happen to feel strongly about something to engage in behaviour that is you know, making a mockery of everything that has happened in the previous two months and indeed ending around the country in acts of actual violence against the police. I just I can't see how you can say that that is OK because you happen to feel strongly about something. Talk radio across the UK on DAB Digital Radio and online. Drive time with Dan Wooden on Talk Radio. Thank you so much for listening. I should tell you to subscribe to this podcast because in these times of national corona crisis, we're still going to be with you every day on Talk Radio, breaking news on the virus, bringing you the most important newsmakers with practical advice you really need to know and hearing your opinions too. I'm not allowing any hysteria, but I would love you to contribute and tune in live every day too for so much more on Talk Radio between 4pm and 7pm every day. Talk to you tomorrow.